Thanks for tuning into McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. You might hear us referring to a phone number to call as this podcast is taken from a live radio show. Instead of calling the phone number, you can get in touch with us on our website at McNamaraFinancial.com. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy Saturday morning, everyone. We are. I've got a great show lined up. This We haven't done a show like this in a while, so I'm very excited. I have a first-time guest for us today, but Stacey, I know you're going to do wonderfully, and I'm very excited to have you here. We're going to be talking about college admissions today, college specifically counseling and helping with school selection. My guest this morning is Stacey Havens, who's a college counselor. I didn't even ask you your official title. What do you call yourself? College counselor? Independent college counselor. Thank you. An independent college counselor with student pathways in Hingham, correct? Primary office in Hingham? Correct. Okay. Thank you so much. And Stacy and I haven't known each other very long. This is your first time on the show. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Uh, and we chatted once before and I actually was introduced or I was told about you, Stacy, via a client of mine that has used or is currently, I'm not sure, using your services and has spoken, said very uh, wonderful things about you, spoken very highly of you. And I know that college, it seems to me that college counseling has increased in popularity, certainly in my 20 years in the business and working with clients and college planning and stuff like that. I know this is great information and a widely utilized service these days for high school age students and and families. So thank you so much for being here. I have a ton of questions for you because we don't know each other that yet and I'm not super, super familiar with your particular services or just, or the process in general. My children are still too young for this. I haven't gone through it personally, but I'm just a few years away actually, which I can't believe, but uh, that's for another day. Again, welcome Stacey Haven with Student Pathways. I, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself and do a little background and a little info about your business? Sure. So my name is Stacey Havens. I'm with Student Pathways, formerly JWK College Counseling. We're switching over to encompass a little bit more than just college counseling. Could be okay. secondary uh, school placement or semester school uh, placement. And also thinking about the mental health of kids these days. Uh, I have a business partner, Jen Klemanski, and we work together very well as far as bouncing ideas off of each other. And I got into the business because I went through the process with my son and realized how awful it can be (laughs) as a parent and how children don't necessarily want to listen to their parents all the time. And having that shocker, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, Um, and how it really makes the process just so much more um, smooth and less stressful for both the parent and the student. I had one student who just said, "You just made the process so easy. I just go through and do what you tell me to do, and then I'm done." And it just, and everything was just easy, and that. 
helps for not only the student, but the parents as well. You don't want to be the nag. And that's how I got into it. And yeah, so now we're student pathways and I do all sorts of college counseling. I do soup to nuts. The only thing that I do not do is test uh, prep. Okay. But I develop strategy around testing and all that. But yeah, but pretty much soup to nuts and really helping your students stand out in the crowd. Yeah. And that's really what's interesting these days because it used to be that was the, the well-rounded student, right? They, colleges always wanted the well-rounded student. Now they want kids to start focusing and mm. being able to put them into a place where, okay, we need, we can't have all biology students this year. We need to have a well-rounded, their class needs to be well-rounded, but they want students to have a little bit of a focus and an idea. And it doesn't mean they have to stay in that focus forever and that they can't change out of that focus when, once they're in college. But for the admissions purposes, it's nice for college admissions people to be able to say, okay, this person really wants to pursue this pathway and now I know that I can put them over here in the biology sector or the business sector or the music sector for them for admissions it's very helpful yeah do you want to let's talk about your the services that you provide I get again this is something I'm not personally familiar with not having gone through it myself but I will say I can think of a few, several, maybe a half dozen clients with college, uh, sorry, high school age kids that have recently used a counselor uh, and at least one or two I know have used uh, your, you personally. And I, I can very vividly remember a very recent conversation with a mother and a father of high school age triplets and they're going through this. And I remember recently talking to them about it and what's your experience like and all that. And they, and she was, I wasn't sure, you know, about paying this money and, and committing to it. And then she's, but I cannot even stress enough this is so worth the money. I, I'm so glad we did this. Just had the most wonderful things to say about it. So let's get into the services that you provide and the things that you do. And I also want to get into, it does seem like this has, correct me if I'm wrong, has your, is your business booming over the last decade? Has it gotten more popular or more common for parents to use this, the services of a counselor? And I think why so. is it just, families are really, I guess this doesn't surprise me. Families are really busy and this seems like a lot of work to do it right. Couple that with education education is very expensive, largely, and or can be, and don't want to screw it up, don't want to waste a semester's tuition or a year's tuition if we pick the wrong school. There's a lot of reasons why this probably has grown in popularity, but any comments on that or we can get right into the things you do and the services you provide? Yeah, so I think it's become more popular because the process has become so overwhelming. Okay. There's so... When I applied to school, I hand wrote my application and I applied to one school, right? I mean, it is not that anymore. Kids are applying to... A dozen or more, right? Yeah, like 10 to 12 is usually... And having that balanced list. And what does that mean? What does having a balanced list mean? And, And so it's making sure that you're not applying to all schools where... You, it's a reach for you to get into that school, right? And so it's talking about that little bit of the financial piece of it. Like you have schools that are buyers and you have schools that are sellers. Okay. You have schools that like a Harvard, they're a seller. They're, they're a seller, they're, they're yeah. not gonna, They don't need to entice you to come to your school or to their school. But you've got other ones where, okay, let's say you're a really, you're, you've done really academically in school and you've got some great activities and you've applied to a school that, they're, they want to up their game. Mm-hmm. And so they, they would love to have you and to up their sort of GPA and their academics and have you do well. So they're more likely to give you some money, some merit money to yeah. entice you to come to their school. And so that's what I call a buyer. So for if you're looking to get some merit aid, 
then that's where you can look for it. And it might even offset the fee of an independent college counselor by having that. So the services that I do provide, depending upon when a student starts, like I have kids that start as freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and sometimes seniors. It's kind of slate, but the whole point is to try and make this process less stressful for parents and students. And by doing that, if you start as a freshman, then we can really work on finding your passions at a slower pace, right? Figuring out what do you like? Let's try this, let's try that. And then once you do figure out what sort of your passions are, okay, let's lean into this a little bit. Let's figure out like how, okay, let's say that you like um, psychology, right? You're thinking, oh, I really like psychology and how do I get more involved in that? So maybe it's creating a psychology club at your school. Maybe it's creating a campaign, a a once a month campaign on mental health, on focusing on maybe one, one month it's anxiety, one month it's depression. Maybe this is like something that you can do to figure out if psychology is what you want to do. Maybe you want to do a job shadow for a week or something. And it really helps the students just to figure out what they want to do. I, I had one student and it's great because she was like, oh, I guess I have to do lacrosse again because it looks good on my resume and I just need to check the box. She's like, but I hate it. And oh. I'm a girl. And I was like, absolutely not anything that you hate to check a box. So she right. was really, she was an art student and she ended up volunteering at the local coffee shop, which had art classes for kids on the weekends. So it gave her leadership because she was teaching, it gave her community service because she was volunteering and she was doing something that she loved. And it's so, very, and it's very different. How many kids play lacrosse? Exactly. Right? I exactly. set herself apart a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I really help kids find those passions and the earlier we start, the better. If you come yeah. in senior year, it's really hard to do that. Sure. So starting earlier is to really help the kids at a slower pace, figure out what it is that I like to do. Then how do I lean into those sort of interests that I do have? And And so that's one aspect. And freshman year, sorry to interrupt. And and freshman year isn't too young to start that, huh? It just seems. And again, it's it's not. They're they're so young, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's very uh, low pressure. Yeah. I meet with you once a month. And the other thing is, I think students don't understand how much grades freshman year matter. Really? Um, Because it's like a ball and chain around your ankle. If you don't do well freshman year or sophomore year, it is so hard to get that GPA up once you've done that. Stressing kids, okay, a great habit or skill to learn is to go visit your teachers. Kids are shy and they don't want to go visit. They're they're embarrassed. They don't want to see their teacher. I'm like, go see your teacher after school. All it does is show them that you care. Yeah. Because the absence of communication, they don't think you care. They, you know, if you're not doing, you're struggling. Like, go see your teacher. There's a resource for you, and it's such a good skill for you to have for college too. If you get into the habit of already going to see your teachers in high school, then you feel like you can go see your teachers in or your professors in college, and it, it's like it's building those relationships, and that's huge which then leads to letters of recommendation. You're going to need to get letters of recommendation from your junior year teachers. So building those relationships over the course of your high school career and especially junior year is important. Teaching kids freshman year, I am helping them. I'm like, okay, you're struggling this class. Let's think about this. What can you do? Do you do an online online? I just try and help the kids through any sort of struggles they may be having. Then we talk about, okay, what courses for next year? What should I be taking? How should I be challenging myself? Can I challenge myself with this class? Don't over-challenge yourself because you don't want to be drowning, right? We want to make sure that you're taking challenging courses because colleges want to see that you are challenging yourself, that you're not getting straight A's in just all sort of college prep level classes. If you're killing it, they're like, you're not challenging yourself. So 
When freshman, so like freshman year, for example, it sounds maybe not so much like college counseling, but more, I was going to use the word pathway, but of course, that's yeah, right? which makes so it's like helping them pave their way for exactly. the next evolution, which would be in a year or so college selection, but helping them like shape, shape their education. Like, yeah, their, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, okay. and, and helping them through any sort of struggles yeah, they cool. might be having. Okay. So yeah, uh, and that's really helpful for them. And, and again, it's like we meet once a month and we just check in and like grades are important. I'll reemphasize grades are important. This and then maybe let's figure out what you're doing as far as your activity outside of school. Get involved. If you're not getting involved, try this, try that. It's just, yeah, I'm just here as a support. For yeah. mostly. And then sophomore year, start to think about, okay, leaning into those activities, right, again, and then developing some ideas for maybe something for over the summer. What are you going to do in the summer plans? What are your, are you going to work? Are you going to go to camp? Are you going to be a CIT? Thinking about these kind of things, what are your summer plans? And then junior year, we start talking about testing. Okay, you're going to take the uh, PSAT in the fall, and then once you take the PSAT, what does that mean? With schools being test optional these days, am I even going to take the test? Some schools are now starting to require it again. So oh, okay. the Florida State Schools, the Georgia State Schools, MIT, Georgetown, they're all starting to require the test again, Tennessee. So if you think that you're even going to apply to a school like that, then you need to make sure that you're going to test at least once. Is it is that a post-COVID thing that testing has been waived or optional or whatever, but now it's being reinstated? Correct. Just, okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of schools were doing because there wasn't access to uh, yeah. testing, then they waived the requirement, and it's been something that I think schools have wanted to do in the past, but haven't had the. It's been such an easy thing for them. Okay, you don't have the grades, you don't have the test scores, so we'll just put you in this pile, right? So it's been a, an easy cutoff for them. But, right. but now they're evaluating uh, applications much more holistically. And so they're looking at the essays, they're looking at the teacher recommendations, they're looking at the, the course rigor, they're looking at your your leadership, they're looking at longevity in your activities. So this is all the things that they're starting to look at holistically rather than just your test scores. Do have test scores, now that bar has been raised even higher because when schools are test optional, kids are not submitting until unless they're getting a crazy number. Richmond told the kids at Hingham High School, don't submit unless you have a 1500. Wow. Yeah, that's really high. Yeah, that's really high. I, yeah. I heard some crazy statistic and I'm not going to remember the exact number, but some crazy statistic about the number of applications that schools are getting, right? And it, it's in the tens of thousands, yes. right? And and then you think about, okay, how many admissions counselors are there? And they're going through 30,000 applications. How many yeah. minutes, like how much time are they actually spending? Five to uh, seven minutes. Five to seven minutes. So you can understand like from that perspective, how some kids aren't great test takers, but it's a means it's of easy. quickly evaluating, right? And, and it be, being efficient, right? With with the selection process. Yeah, that's right. five to seven minutes. That's five all you get, huh? So I now I, one of the earlier comments you made was how schools aren't looking necessarily for a well-rounded student anymore, because let's face it, probably most students these days are well-rounded, right? They're right. doing a sport or two. They're, they've got a club or two. Like everybody's doing 
they've got a part-time job, right? Like everybody, yeah. everybody's doing that, right? Or a lot of the kids right. are. And so, yeah, so now it, it would make sense that maybe schools are looking for something to set them apart. Imagine if you right. were hiring someone and you had 10,000 applications, like <laughs> you're going pretty quick just to look through those resumes to, to find something that stands out. So that, right. so that's why you were saying that like schools are now looking for a student that has what, a specialty interest or a niche or like a something yeah. that uh, sets them so apart. They're looking, yeah. for, they're looking for longevity in their activities. Okay. So, oh, so not just an application building activity. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They're looking for focus and they're looking for leadership. Okay. So those sort of things. So focusing in on one or two kind of things that you're, they don't want you to necessarily fill out all 10, 10 activities that you're allowed on the Common App, right? You're allowed to have 10 activities that oh. you can list on the Common App. Okay. Um, they would love for them, maybe five of them to be of the same ilk. Maybe it's like I did high school hockey, club hockey, and then I volunteered doing hockey. And so having a theme yeah, uh, that really, that, that works and longevity in it. And then, and then having some leadership. So they know you actually have an interest. You're not just like doing a whole bunch of different things to build your resume or build your application, right? Correct. Yeah. So that you actually, that makes sense. They're looking for a student that has that knows who they are, has their own, is their own person. I, I don't know, I think confident it helps who they are. To, yeah. yeah, I think it helps them to figure out who this kid is too. Yeah. Because uh, when you're well-rounded, they're, they're, they're like, they can't figure out who this, who you are. You do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. So you're well-rounded. Okay. But who are you? And right. so I right. think having a focus really sure. helps them figure out this person really is passionate about the sciences or this person is really passionate about their music. And it just helps them to figure out who they are in that five to seven minutes that they have. Yeah. This is good. They want to know who is the student and who are they going to be on our campus? How will they become active in our campus and what are they going to do? So I think that's helpful for them. This might be a dumb question, but is every is the admissions process still just not paper application, but like electronic, like application paper application based or is or are students submitting like a video or like their social media profile or like yeah, oh, their web page or whatever is there anything that yeah, supplements so you can submit some of that stuff depending upon the school so the common okay. app is usually uh the vehicle which with students are submitting their applications some schools don't use the common app Right. So some use the coalition app. Um, some use their own application on their own website. But they're, depending upon the college, you can sometimes use uh, a video in place of an essay. Okay. Uh, you can include a link to a resume. You can include a, a link to your portfolio. Some, so Like your art portfolio or something. Yeah. Probably wouldn't yeah, want exactly. to link your social media profile if you're in high school anyway. I'm going to guess you might <laughs> well, not want to release all that. that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have a web presence that you do. A blog uh, or something. Photography. Yeah. Or yeah. May, maybe you have something that, you've, that you're selling. Or maybe, maybe yeah. you have a Poshmark or whatever you are doing yeah, online. Cool. Yeah. So something entrepreneurial that you can link that to. So that's becoming a little bit more popular but it's a not fully fledged something everyone's doing yeah I, I guess I was imagining that would be more common in 2023 but yeah, no, I think it's just another thing that they don't have time to look at yet yeah interviews are interesting there are definitely some schools that prioritize an interview okay uh, a lot 
not a lot because again, the time factor. So some have alumni interviews where it's more evaluative, not evaluative, but informational. And then other schools like Holy Cross has evaluative and Wake Forest has evaluative. And they still do interviews. Is that, that, that's like, you have to get through round one or something. That would be like round two. Yeah. You're, or you don't know. You have to sign up for it. So if you don't sign up for it, then that's, your loss because yeah. it's, it's okay. they really like that. And so if you don't sign up for one, it's, that's another thing, like keeping track of all this different stuff as a parent, sure. it's, there's a lot, right. Especially with 10 to 12 schools. So keeping track of this date, I have to apply by this date because I want to make the merit date or I need to, to schedule an interview for this college because they really like that. I need to do that, you know, submit my portfolio this way to this college. I need to, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. So I think that's oh, yeah. another reason why, college counseling has become so, so much more prevalent. And so it, not to mention that it, kids don't want to listen to your parents. I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't even remember yesterday to pick up Advil at the store for my daughter who wasn't feeling well. I couldn't imagine being like, did you schedule your interview for these? <laughs> it was something that actually really matters, right? Okay, we're we're going to take a quick break. We're, I'm You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking this morning with Stacey Havens, who's an independent college counselor with Student Pathways, the main office in Hingham, though I'm assuming you do many things electronically via Zoom or whatever as as is very common. We are just taking a quick break. We're talking about the college admissions process, college counseling, etc. We have more information for you after the break. Be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking about college counseling this morning and the college admissions process, et cetera, and some talking about some resources that are out there for families going through this process or thinking about going through it in the near term. So my guest this morning is Stacy Havens, who's an independent college counselor with Student Pathways in Hingham. I know you're going through a business name change, but your website is still jwkcollegecounseling.com, correct? You can get there by jwkcollegecounseling.com or student-pathways.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Great. Thank you again for being here. You've been a wealth of information. Let's continue on. I want to talk about like process at different ages. So you touched on and how you help students at different ages and in different ways and families. So you mentioned freshman year, maybe a little on the young side, but not too young and helping, what did I say, shape their education? Yeah, their grades, finding their path. Perfect. So what's, but what's like the optimum age to start? Is it sophomore year? I would imagine junior year is like for sure, right? But is yeah. sophomore, like what's the optimum age for you and what does it look like during that yeah. year? I, I would love to have sophomores. Um, yeah. Again, that's where I can have the most impact. Mm-hmm. Um, even freshmen, but sophomore year, you can have the impact on their activities. Where as um, junior year, you're a little late. Yeah. Sophomore yeah. year, and then you can also have an impact on what classes in their curriculum mm-hmm. that they're taking, yeah. uh, making sure that they're challenging themselves. So that's like the freshman and sophomore year. And then once you get into junior year, 
we definitely start thinking like we started on the testing, developing a strategy. Do I take the SAT or the ACT? Mm -hmm. How many times do I take it? And when do I take it? And once I get my scores back, do I take it again? And do I submit my scores? And which schools do I submit my scores to? So that sort of happens junior year. And also junior year, you want to start focusing on building that list. And ideally, I like to have my juniors have a pretty solid list by the end of their junior year so that we can start in Mm -hmm. uh, the summer. As soon as they get done with school, we're starting on your personal statement, which is that common app essay or the main essay. And um, so that really helps us to just set the list aside for the most part and work on that common app essay starting in the summer, but also during junior year, we are working on, again, building those relationships with your teachers, making sure that you're communicating with them if you're struggling at all, participating in class because you're going to be asking one to two teachers your junior year for a letter of recommendation. Okay. And then making sure that teacher has the best information to write the best letter of recommendation. So I have my students fill out a a form, which usually teachers have their own form, but they all go hand in hand, but really making sure they have enough meat to write a good letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. As I said, theirs are becoming more and more important in the college holistic process. And then junior year, we're also leaning into making sure that those co- that college list is a perfect fit for you. Not per- when I say, like making sure that list is balanced so that you have one to two likely schools, what we yeah. call likely acceptances, yeah. five to six in your target range, and maybe two to three that are outside reach, your, yeah. your, in your reach acceptance range. And I want students to love every school on their list. I want them to be psyched and excited when they get that first acceptance, no matter which school it is on their list. And there are so many schools, kids sometimes get a little focused, like I have to get into this school, I have to get into this school, but it, you want to love every school on your list and you could be happy at so many different schools. And so I really try to make sure that my students know that there's not just one fit. Sure. Any of these schools on your list, you could be happy at and really succeed. There's a a great book out there, Where You Go Is Not Who You'll Be. And it talks about two students who went to the same high school and ended up at the same job. One went to Yale and one went to the University of Illinois. But one needed that competition at uh, at Yale. They, They needed that constant competition to help them be motivated. Where the other one needed that time and that space to build confidence at Mm. University of Illinois. So it really, the right fit for each student is different. Yeah. And making sure that they have a variety of fits on their list or or a balanced list that every school is a fit for them. I I imagine part of your counseling at those ages is talking about peer pressure too. And right, the pressures of what other, what do people think of me if this is where I want to go or this is where I go or I didn't get in here. That's unfortunately a huge part of high school, right? Correct. Growing up in general. So I'm sure that's part of the discussion. Yeah, making them comfortable with themselves. Yeah, confident. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. confident for sure, for sure. So then after junior year, then we get into the summer. Like I said, we start doing the personal essay. And then on August 1st is when we start working on the Common App, making sure that's getting ready for all those supplemental essays that are now going to be coming out August 1st. August 1st, we start working on supplemental essays for the colleges that are on your list, which is why we want to have that list pretty much built by the time the end of your junior year so that we can work on that 
personal statement, then work on your supplemental essays and hopefully be pretty well done by the time fall hits. Right. Uh, and sports get, senior year. Right. And school gets busy and sports ramp up again. Oh my gosh. Because deadlines They're are like so no, November. Right? Well, it depends on if it's early or whatever, but October or November-ish, right? December? Yeah. So yeah. there are a few schools that are October 15th, okay. which is really early. Yeah. It is. It's really early. And then a lot of them are November 1st, November 5th, November 15th. Yeah. Some, but those early ones. And I really encourage my students if there, unless there's a reason to not submit some applications early, the ones that sort of accept early action, to submit early action to some schools. It's just like a lot of people are hearing right now, and it's nice to have a win under your belt. Yeah. It's nice to be like, I got into a school. I'm yeah. going to college. And it's they're, they're yeah. have such a stress around them. And you talk oh. about that peer anxiety, like kids yeah. are all saying, oh, I'm going here and I'm going there. And you, if you haven't necessarily applied and you're oh. not ready yeah. for that, it can be a little disheartening. And so I encourage my students to to apply early, not necessarily early decision. Right. If you want to apply early decision, I uh, uh, want you to apply decision if you know that's the school that you want to go to. Mm-hmm. But I never pressure anybody to apply early decision. Can it give you a leg up? Yes. That's another thing. You know, it the acceptance for early decision is becoming greater. Uh, okay. But it also... What incentive does a college have to give you money to attend? Right, so that right. balance of, okay, if I want to go to, you're, you're basically applying early decision to a school that's going to be a seller that doesn't necessarily right. want to give you that money. Right. So that's the trade-off, the sort of catch-22. It's, okay, I want to go to this school, and I if I apply early decision, there's no incentive for them to, because you have to apply. You have to attend. That's right. their the early decision versus early action, which I didn't really discuss that if people aren't aware of that. Like early decision is a binding decision. Yeah. Whereas early action, you find out early, but you still don't have to tell the colleges until May 1st. Okay. There is that big difference. And some schools don't accept early action. They only have early decision or regular decision. Or now there's early decision two or early, uh, de- early action God. two. There's, this has become the new thing, the ED twos and the EAs twos, where okay. you can find out. Um, earlier, but they're still on that January date. So you might find out in February versus March, but there's a whole strategy around when to apply and when to apply to, based on your situation, when to apply to certain schools. Like maybe you want your grades, you want to up your grades, you're doing really well senior year and you think, I want them to see these grades before they evaluate my application. Because if you're applying early, they're really looking at your first term. And then if you're applying regular, they're looking at your entire semester because early decisions are coming out now where you've only had one term. So they only have right. one term a okay. year, Yeah, which yeah. is why freshman, Fresh- sophomore, junior year grades matter so much you ha- You said that early in the show, how much like freshman year grades really matter and, and sophomore year too. And I never really thought about freshman year mattering all that much, but it's a quarter of your GPA, if not like a third of what they're looking at by the time you're applying. Yeah. So that's why you're said yeah. by the time sophomore year's over, if if they haven't done first two years, hard to make it up, right? On yeah. that, in that third. Yeah. Oh man, that's so stressful. I just make it less stressful. Yeah. Let's just think about yeah. it. Like just little by little, deep chunk and just make yeah. it little pieces. Can you talk and about how the parents are involved a little bit? Like how you cooperate with parents, what, how they're involved in the process? Yeah. So after... Uh, having gone through this as a parent, I know what I would want. And so yeah. I 
after every meeting that I have with a student, I send what I call my recap emails where I say, here's what we talked about. Here's what your to-dos are, and here's what our next meeting is. So that way the parent doesn't have to say, what you guys talk about? Where, where are you in the process? What's happening? And if the parents ever have any questions, I am always open to conversations. If you have any ideas, I'm always open to that. You've known your children so much longer than I have, but so I am always open to suggestions and to thoughts. And sometimes parents say, they won't listen to me about this. Can you ask them about that? <laughs> like, great. I'm happy to. When it's coming from yeah. me, it's a different, it's yeah. a different perspective for this for the student. And so, I am always open to having conversations with parents, discussions anytime. I have. It, it, sometimes it's funny when I don't have conversations with parents. I'm like, am I doing okay? Is everything all yeah. right over there? I'm always happy to talk to parents. Yeah. I could imagine myself being just people are busy. I could imagine myself being like, you got this right. And, and yeah. I wouldn't be micromanaging <laughs> at all, okay. like right, paying you to handle this. Yeah. yeah and I'm sure right. that's how a lot of parents are. And I'm, and I'm yeah. assuming a lot of the parents utilizing your services are want the best for their kids and all that. And, and obviously recognize the value and, and your services that you provide, but just maybe probably don't want to micromanage. Right. And, and right. trusting you to, to do what you do and guide their student, uh, their child in the best way possible and make, you right. know, making the best decision and all that. That's great. Uh, can, can you also talk about, how you cooperate with schools, like the guidance counselors. And you also mentioned how important letters of recommendation are from teachers, yeah. right? And are, are do you find that most teachers are happy to cooperate and provide that? But that's also like a ton of work on the teachers too, right? But is that just part of their job? Are they expecting it? So can you talk a little bit about your experience cooperating with the high schools? Yes. The students also have to get a, a letter of recommendation from their guidance counselor, which is okay. another thing that their freshman, sophomore year, I am, am asking them, go see your guidance counselor. Once a term, just go yeah. pop in. Say so they hi. know Here's who you are. <laughs> exactly. Here's something. who I am. Yeah. This is, so pop in. And so that's one of the things is get to know your guidance counselor. And the junior teachers know that it's going to be asked of them. Okay. They, they know. And there are certain teachers that are popular. And so they have to cut it off. They have to say, okay, mm. I can only take so many. Okay. Um, yeah. So you need to get in early, but not too early. Some teachers are like, you can't ask me that early. So <sighs> do uh, those teachers but, have like a block in their day to write all these? <laughs> like, usually uh, they do it over the maybe. summer. Oh, okay. Oh my so, God. Wow. And actually uh, the Hingham High School teachers are in wow. contract talks. And so it's been a little bit of yeah. one of the things that they you know, that's an extra lot imagine. of time. Yeah, I, I so, can imagine. Yeah. So I think that's something that they're trying to either get built in or yeah. I don't know, what, but I know that it is a lot of time for teachers and sure. it is, it, it's very personal because they have to write a very personal letter and it's, it's not always the easiest thing. Yeah. No, so, I imagine. Yeah. Our guide, what's the ratio like guidance counselors to students these days? It's got to be like a hundred to one or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It depends on the school. Yeah. You know, so I work with a variety of different schools around the South Shore. I've actually had, I have kids in, in Florida. I have had kids in Nashville. I, I have kids all around. I have all around the city, all around Boston. Yeah. Like you, we had all talked a little yeah. bit before about whether or not I meet in person, whether or not I do uh, virtual. So just depending upon the region or where we are, I may do some in person, I may do some virtual and throughout COVID it was all virtual. So that one, and I still am able to develop a rapport with my students that I only meet via FaceTime seems to be 
we still develop a really good relationship. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, so it's ages. not as yeah. if it was during, like during COVID where they were being taught to lectured to, and they had to just sit there. Uh, yeah. But really it's developing a relationship and seeing the student, we can actually talk to each other. It's not, yeah. not me talking at them. We yeah. are having a dialogue together. Yeah. All right. Can we segue? Can we talk a little bit about financial aid, a merit-based award? And I just, I had found an interesting article from the U.S. News and World Report just about like merit-based award. I just wanted to read a few things and you might have some statistics or information, but, um, and I've, you know, I try to pay quite a bit of attention to this. I've listened to some speakers in the industry talk about, I'm a financial advisor, right? Cost of Education is clearly a discussion I have um, with my clients that have children, uh, certainly of certain ages and college planning. Anyway, um, so what I know is that merit-based award is actually fairly common, right? And you had mentioned earlier in the show that some schools are sellers and some schools are buyers, right? And so while merit-based award might be rare or non-existent at like the Harvards and the Yales and the Stanfords, there are a lot of educational institutions that are offering merit-based award of sizable amounts, right? As long as you're, and I, and maybe it's all over the map in terms of the specifics, but anyway, I was trying to, I'm a numbers person. So I was trying to poke around and I like to look at numbers, but anyway, are there, there's something like 3000 four year institutions in the United States or something like that. Am I somewhere on the mark there, right? Like 4,000, yeah. Okay, I wanted to say there were 4,000, but like 3,000 of them were like four-year institutions. Oh, correct. Four-year, and then 1,000 were maybe like a two-year or a certificate correct. program. Okay, <laughs> all right. This U.S. News & World Report indicated that they had a 1,000 of those four-year institutions respond to their survey, okay? Yeah. So pretty good chunk. The And this was for the 2022-2023 academic year, so last year. According to U.S. News & World Report, the average merit award for full-time undergraduates among these roughly 1,000, a little over 1,000 colleges that provided the information was, so the average merit-based award to a full-time student was $12,088 for last year. So that's not too shabby. That's like a, yep. a decent amount of money. Um, yep. And then let's see, I just pulled there. This was a long article. This article was, I think, published over the summer. It was 13 things to know about merit aid scholarships. It was eight, dated April of 2023 on U.S. News & World Report. Colleges with higher sticker prices often offer merit awards to qualified students who have shown they can't afford the school's full price. Fairfield University, for example, charged $54,455 for tuition and fees in 2022-23, but offered 51% of their students merit awards. And the average non-need-based non merit award was $17,388 per that survey. That's that's a good amount of money. I, I there There's, money. and this is what I've heard very recently in several places, is that there's a good amount of merit-based award to be had out there, but yep. from, and maybe correct me if, or comment on this, please, but you, it's, you're going to be offered the most merit-based award at a school that really wants you, right? Really wants to, they're buying you, right? They're buying you. And so it might be not like, you're probably not going to get much or any merit-based award from like your reach school if you get in, but that school that really wants you because they're trying to get more students like you and bring up their stats or whatever, 
That's yep. where you're going to get, you could get, I should say, you could get sizable dollars in the form of merit-based award. But that, that's like, that's reassuring as a parent and as an advisor that there's a good amount of, and I, could I, could it have been $35 million was awarded in merit-based aid last no, it, was, it must have been a lot more than that. Sorry. Don't uh, scratch that. Go, Tim, go back. Scratch that. No, that was wrong. <laughs> it was a lot of money that was awarded last year from Merit Base. Yeah. But yeah. That's reassuring. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, like I said, classifying them as the sort of buyers and sellers, you, you summed it up perfectly. If you're at, you're when it, applying to a REACH school and they have no one, no, incentive to entice you to come. Yeah. If you are going to a school where you, are upping their stats. Yeah. They're going to say, yeah, we'd love to have you come here. Yeah. So give you some money. And yeah, usually it is in that $12,000 range could be 12 to 20, 10 to 20, just depending upon the school. And there's two, let's just quickly, and then we can move on. We've only got eight or nine minutes actually left in the show, but so there's two types of uh, finance, there's two types of financial aid, right? There's need-based aid and then there's merit-based aid. So that what, what we were just talking about is merit-based aid. Need-based aid is where people would fill out the FAFSA and you've mentioned there's in, in the CSS profile, right? Correct. And you mentioned there's some changes in that regard if you want to touch on that. But I, I don't know, I was thinking about the families that are probably utilizing your services are they maybe not the families that are going to get a lot of need-based aid, right? Because they're, they can afford to pay a college counselor for services, right? Like, I, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and it's, oh, I always say to fill it out, unless you're re- really wanting to not have the decision come into play at all, they're separate offices, right? You have the admissions office, you have the financial aid office. Uh-huh. They do talk. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it is a factor, right? Yeah. Uh, but not always. And with the FAFSA, which is the, oh gosh. Federal like, application for financial yeah. <laughs> something. <Aid>. Yeah. <laughs> I, forget what I think I, I know it's the federal application. I don't know. Bad anyway. me that I'm like not remembering it, but the FAFSA is the federal form that you fill out for need-based aid. Sorry. And then free, the a free application for federal student aid. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And then the CSS profile is the one you fill out. There's several private schools that require the CSS profile, which is offered through the college board. And so that's just a little bit more in detail, in depth. uh, The CSS profile, I think, will ask about retirement, like size of assets and retirement plans where the FAFSA doesn't factor that in. And I think the CSS profile will value of your home where FAFSA excludes a certain amount of equity in primary residence, I think. So there are some differences. And I often get asked from clients, like, how do I maximize my my financial aid? And if they're talking about need-based aid, unfortunately, the ways need-based aid is based on parents' assets, parents' income, and actually student assets and income too, not that those are generally very sizable. But those are assessed higher, which is crazy. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So there are like some ways to do things differently, but you have to do that several years in advance of applying, by the way, because they go back two tax years, but so it's like freshman year or before you'd have to do stuff. But I, I always say, yeah, there are some things you can do getting assets out of your bank account or moving money, shrinking the, the amount of their assets outside of retirement accounts, like lowering bank accounts and stuff like that. But it's the steps that people can take to make themselves look more needy 
are not smart financial things to do anyway. So it's striking a balance. Well, do you really want to like put all this money in your retirement account and then you can't touch it for 20 years or 10 years or whatever? Or do you want to spend this money on a car that you don't really need just so that you appear to have less money? It's stuff like that. It's the merit um, aid is huge. I mean, that's getting that amount of money is I think going to help you even more than figuring out your I don't know, but I, that's just yeah. me and everybody's situation is different, right? How about just yeah. what resources there are for people, like people that are maybe did maybe need loans or need some more information about financial aid. The two resources that I know of in terms of websites where people can go to find information, I know savingforcollege.com is a good reputable resource and also mifa.org, Mass Educational yep. Financing Authority or something like that, mifa, M-E-F-A dot org. Do you have any other resources that you would direct people to for, for some of the financial decisions? Not really. Those are the most. And then completing the FAFSA. So I know we didn't touch on this too much, but the FAFSA went through some changes this year. Mm-hmm. It's not open. It's not being available until December 31st this year, which is a lot later. Usually it's available October 1st. And filling the earlier you fill out, the more need is available. Filling out the FAFSA and the CSS earlier is in it in your better you interest. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it behooves you to okay. fill it out earlier okay. because there's more aid available. Once the aid is gone, then it's gone. Got so it. filling out it earlier is is good. Okay. All right. We've just got a few minutes, Stacey, but I want to make sure you can give out your contact information if people want to reach out to you and have more questions about services you provide. So again, I've been chatting with Stacey Haven, independent college counselor. Her business is called Student Pathways, main office in Hingham, Mass, but of course, virtual. I mean, you have, sounds like you have clients all over. Do you want to give out some contact information for our listeners? Great. Yeah, we can be reached at student-pathways.com. And there you can see on our website, you can see testimonials from people that have used our services. Uh, You can get in touch with us via the website, fill out a form, and then we will get back to you, your preferred counselor, and we will get back to you. I can also be reached at 617-388-3154 is my personal contact information if you are looking for some college counseling advice. Awesome, thank you. And is, by the way, is this a super busy time of year for you? Like your seniors are, or are you having a little respite right now because applications were due a few weeks ago? Yeah, so right now everyone's starting to hear. So uh, uh, a lot of early decisions oh, are okay. coming out and some early actions. So yeah, I had a student text me at seven this morning uh, and tell me- Good news. He got me to Ohio State. Yep, nice. got me to Ohio State. So that was exciting. My alma mater. So. Oh, okay. I think I saw that on your uh, your profile actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I am, yeah, my kids text me all the time, which That's is cute. great. That must awesome. warm your heart when you oh, see them. I love uh, what I do. So I love connecting with the kids yeah. and the parents. And I just, I'm so happy that I've discovered my true passion and it's just great. I just love doing it. Do you feel like, do you touch, do you keep touch with your students after the fact? And are you, yeah. are you feeling, I don't know how common it is for students to transfer, but I imagine it's not all that uncommon, right? And do you feel like, I don't know, do you have any pulse on you, you, the students you work with transfer less frequently because they made the right decision off the bat? Do you have any sort of 
pulse on but that? So far, or? I have not had a transfer, knock on wood. Ah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I have worked yeah. with transfer students, so that's yeah. another service that we do provide. So Got I have it. worked with people yeah. who want to transfer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually stay in touch with part of my process is I actually touch base with all my students who are freshmen college in college. Okay. And yeah, I just that's wonderful. all my freshmen recently. Oh, so. that's wonderful. All right, we've got to go. They're playing the music, which means we've got to wrap. Uh, Stacey Havens with Student Pathways, student-pathways.com or jwkcollegecounseling.com, their former business name. Thank you so much for your time and expertise. Wonderful chatting with you. Appreciate yep. it. We'll have to have you on again because I still have a list of questions that we didn't even get to. But thanks for your time. Enjoy the weekend. And thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamara of the Merrimack.com for our Merrimack Valley office. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.